You're listening to the Functional Nurse Podcast. On today's episode, I interview Katie Oshta, a registered nurse and a board-certified lactation consultant who practices functional medicine. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Functional Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Bridget Sager, a family nurse practitioner, functional medicine consultant, and I teach functional medicine to RNs and nurse practitioners through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine. Today, I am talking to Katie Oshta. She is a registered nurse and a lactation consultant. She has over 22 years of experience working in maternal infant medicine. She is a telehealth lactation consultant, believing that clients anywhere in the world deserve the best care possible for their needs. Being an expert in TOTS, which is also known as tethered oral tissues, Katie helps families everywhere navigate breastfeeding struggles, especially when related to tongue tie or low supply. Katie is also passionate about finding the root cause of symptoms, using functional medicine practices to help clients not just survive, but truly thrive. She is most proud of starting her own business and podcast, which uh, I totally understand. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of challenges to that in itself. Um, Both of those were such a leap of faith and not part of her life plan. Welcome, Katie, to the podcast and thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Bridget. I have to say, I loved, I mean, we have to start with the course, like, cause that's how we met. And the functional medicine for nurses course on Inco that you run is amazing. It is so much deeper than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I kind of had an inkling and like, I went out and I bought my, I'm old school and I need to write things down. Like, I know you gave us all this stuff, but I really have to write things down or I don't remember. And I bought my little notebook and I was all set. I did not realize how much I was going to fill of that notebook. Like it is <laughs> such an in-depth course and it's really amazing to go down into cellular function and all of these things that we haven't thought about in so long. It's amazing that you learn these things in nursing school. And then the minute you're out in practice, whether it's in the hospital, outpatient, anywhere, it's almost like they all of a sudden don't matter anymore. You know, and yes. they, they get forgotten. So it was a really amazing to go back to that and to remember, oh, yeah, we know this. And there's a reason that these things are supposed to happen. And ignoring them is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is an honor for me to teach it. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I, I think it was our last Zoom that we had together where I said, you get your money's worth. <laughs> you know, the course is definitely jam-packed with stuff. But I think it's just, you know, so important, like, for us to reconnect with what you're talking about, like what we learned in nursing school that we haven't been mindful of in our practice through the years that, you know, I think the healthcare system moves us away from that. And I would love for you to start with your um, journey to how you've become a lactation consultant and to functional medicine. Okay. So I'll give the cliff notes of that because <laughs> I've spent 23 years in maternal infant medicine. I was labor and delivery for a long time. And then in 2014, I had a bike injury and I fractured my shoulder in four places and spent two years rehabbing and doing surgeries. And when I came out of that, I also knew that I couldn't go back to pushing beds and holding legs and running down the hall to the OR just wasn't part of my ability anymore in my body. And my favorite part of the delivery, because I kind of thought about doula and midwife and all these different things. But my favorite part was always after the birth, 
when we'd have the first breastfeed and everything would be calm. And a lot of times, you know, every, all the visitors would go away and it would just be the mom and, you know, the two parents and baby. And I could just kind of facilitate and then step back and let this new family form. And so I decided to go into lactation and in 2016 became an internationally board certified lactation consultant. So an IBCLC and then worked inpatient and outpatient in Washington, which I loved. But then when I moved in Cal- to California in 2019, there was not only no jobs, the, the hospitals had no lactation consultants. I think there was two half time for the whole county. Um, wow. There was no one in private practice either. And so I felt there was a large need. And so I opened my private practice very reluctantly, I will say. I didn't know what to expect <laughs> and didn't want to do all the admin stuff, right? I just wanted to do what I love to do. And I love having my own practice now. Like the thought of going back to the hospital fills me with slight dread. Like, I don't think I want to do it. And I, I would do it if I really had to, right? I mean, there's times when we all have to do mm-hmm. things for our families, but I love being in private practice. I mean, I think everyone's what they spend their money on. And this is true for everything in life, right? Shows what you value. And I look back at my finances every year and, you know, do all my taxes and everything. And I've spent, you know, more than half of my budget on education. Mm -hmm. And I, in the first, I renew my license every five years and have to get 75 units for my IBCLC. And in the first um, three months last year, right after I renewed my license, I had 65 units. Before starting oh, wow. your class, yep. I'm like, I have like 130 mm-hmm. <laughs> units right now or something like it's, it's insane, but I love learning and I don't mm-hmm. plan to stop. And I'm so curious and I want to understand things better. I want to learn other ways of approaching things. I want to learn how to support families better. And I see so much dysfunction, you know, and I think that's what led me to functional medicine was that. I was, I was seeing a lot that I could work with, within lactation, you know, low supply and tongue tie and all of this, but I still was seeing, I think that what really led me was the moms with all these gut health issues. And a lot of them were coming up with these babies that were quote unquote allergic to the breast milk. Right. And I mean, there's an entire company out there right now where that's what they do is they test breast milk and they help moms do elimination diets, which is great. And it's a temporary fix though, because mm-hmm. even um, even the founder, this is free to feed, and even the founder, Dr. Trill, wound up doing all of this for herself before starting the company. And she's an amazing, very smart woman. She has a PhD. And um, she had the same issues with her second, second pregnancy though, which to mm. me shows we didn't heal the mom, right? Like these things come up again and again, because we didn't do the root cause going on an elimination diet and taking everything out. And then when the baby's done breastfeeding in a year, putting everything back in, nothing changed, right? We we didn't change anything. And that's what happens again with the next pregnancy. And I really wanted to understand that better and say, okay, how can, how can we fix this? right? Like what's going on? How are these babies allergic to breast milk? Babies are not allergic to breast milk, right? Like this is basic biology and survival. There is no way nature would make a baby allergic to breast milk. 
So exactly. Yes. You know, I kept coming back to that and saying, well, I really want to figure this out and I really want to understand. And that's why I decided to jump in and do your course because I needed that gut health and I, and, and thyroid thyroid's a huge Uh part of um, making milk, right? So these low supply moms with thyroid issues, but the gut health has just been huge. And being able to look at these moms now when they're, you know, showing me these babies that have all these symptoms and they're like, well, I need to take out dairy and I need to take out soy and I need to take out chicken and I need to take out potatoes. And I'm like, we need to look at your health. Right. Right. And so I want to start thinking about what you, what you just said, it, it, it like about um, removing it and then not healing anything. And then it happens again in the next pregnancy. And just that like, that's the most vulnerable time, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, that should be such a precious time and not a time of struggle again, right? Like, oh, yeah. we've already been through it once. So you're right, like finding that opportunity to identify what's really going on and heal it. So it doesn't happen the second time. So yeah. important. And these moms are going, I mean, they're going through a lot. And I, you know, I've worked with many clients now who've done elimination diets while breastfeeding and it's not easy. It is not easy. Mm -hmm. They are exhausted and sleep deprived, healing from being pregnant for 40 weeks and childbirth and labor and delivery. And a lot of them are surviving with not enough support, right? Um, and the ones mm-hmm. who do have support, that's sometimes hard too, because they'll say, well, people are dropping off casseroles and it's full of dairy and gluten. And now what do I do? Right. Like, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. It's really challenging to do it, but I will say there's probably not a better motivator in the world than doing something that will help your newborn child. Right. So absolutely. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen parents willing to basically like stand on their heads for 10 months. They're like, tell me what I need to do and I will do it. It does not matter, right? They want health for their child. And when you see your baby screaming in pain and you can start to identify, right? Especially for these parents, as they start to remove something like, you know, starting with dairy, um, they start to remove it and then they have an accidental, right? Maybe they go to Starbucks and then get the wrong coffee. Like that happened to my husband last week. And oh boy, (laughs) that was a very good reminder of like, better make sure they put oat milk in that. Um, And then they get that reminder with the baby and they see, oh yeah, it really is affecting them. Huge, huge motivator. And so I see a lot of very motivated parents. I think those accidents are such, you're right. Like there's such good reinforcement. I've had so many people tell me that, oh, I, I accidentally had something that Uh we had been working on eliminating. And then they're like, wow, now I know I don't want to feel like that anymore. You're right. I think. And and then you add in the baby motivator and that's like so, so strong of a a motivator for people. Absolutely. I mean, I personally resisted gluten for a long time. I had done my elimination diet. I had done a ton of other things. Like I, I, was working on the path and I resisted gluten forever. And then I finally took it out. And in the first month I had three accidentals and I, those were really important. Those really, really Mm -hmm. showed me that. And two of them, I didn't even realize until the next day. Like it wasn't like I was eating it and going, Oh crap, I forgot. It was just a, like the next day I was like, God, I really feel terrible. Like I just, my, all my joints hurt. My head feels foggy. I just, I just don't feel good. And I don't know what's going on. And it was actually one of my daughters who said to me, well, we ate Noki last night, mom, that has to be safe. Right. And I'm like, yeah, we eat that, you know, once or twice a month. And we stopped at the store to pick up more. And I realized that 
I had no idea they coat potato gnocchi with gluten flour. Why they do something like that? It's so (laughs) cruel. I have no idea. And all of a sudden it was a light bulb of like, oh, that's why I feel horrible today. That's why all my joints hurt. And, you know, and it was a good reminder, um, especially because I find the reminders work really well when you're not anticipating it. Like it's one thing to test yourself, to bring it back in intentionally. But I feel like when you didn't intentionally bring it back in, you aren't looking for it. Right. And it, it can really show you how you feel mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. highlight. Cause you just wake up and you're just like, God, this is just a crummy day. What is going on? Right. So it and can, that, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened to me too. I, yeah. I added something back in on accident <laughs> and, uh, and I felt it very quickly afterwards and was like, Oh my gosh, I do not want this to be my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe that, like you're saying, it's a good accident because otherwise I think feeling that full force mm-hmm. after you felt better for so long can be um, a big reminder for people. This is why I'm doing this hard work right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, going back to like what you were talking about earlier about just just using a test and telling you what to not eat or something is not doing the work that goes after removing the food, I think, is the important thing. And like what we talk about in the course uh-huh. is just like you can't just take things away. We have to figure out how did that happen and what are we going to do about it so it doesn't happen again? There's so many practitioners, though, that just do that. I mean, I worked with a nutritionist who was renowned in my area for doing this, and that's what she had me do. We did food testing. Mm-hmm. We took stuff out. And we were supposed to keep it out a certain amount of time and bring it back in. And she said, if I couldn't bring it back in after so many months, it just was going to stay out forever. Um, but I'm like, hmm. that's that's only one of the R's. Like, why did we not do any more? And I stayed there for a year to a year and a half. Like, it was a long time where I just kept everything out of my diet because I didn't know the next step. Right. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting any support. I mean, this she was already slightly out of the norm because my primary had already said it doesn't matter what you eat. Right. Like it's not going to affect my chronic pain. And um, so I was already kind of at that edge of like, you know, trying something a little bit different. And even when I went there, I didn't feel like I got more answers, a whole lot more. I got some and I did get some relief. Right. My chronic pain got much better but I didn't get to the point of healing, right? And being able to, because mm-hmm. one thing, and that's something I'll tell people too, like dairy and gluten are inflammatory foods. And there are some people that just really need to keep them out of their diet. But I also had to take out like cauliflower and spinach. Those are very good foods, right? Be nice to have those. Yes. Yep. I'm thinking of, for me, I did one of those tests just as Mm -hmm. like a learning opportunity and it it had zucchini on there. And, and I was like, that's like my favorite. I love Mm -hmm. zucchini. I grow it in the garden and we have it almost every night, you know, but that that's the thing is like, things will show up that aren't actually necessarily causing you any health concern. And so you just using testing is going to give people, like you're saying, they're eliminating really important nutrients from their diet from awesome foods because the test isn't specific enough. And I think going through that process of the elimination diet is, is so revealing to just like the control we have over Mm -hmm. our health. Like it's more than just about food. Oh yeah. I mean, it gave me, I've had chronic pain now for 12 or 13 years and that doing the elimination diet was the first time I had any control 
and felt like I could actually impact my pain because I, and I had done all the things. I mean, I saw a specialist. I did, I did years of like actual, like, cause all, most of my chronic pains in my feet. So I did years of like orthopedic shoes and inserts and podiatrists. And I did, um, you know, orthopedists and, you know, muscle testing. I did, I did acupuncture for years and chiropractic. I did massage. Like I tried all sorts of things and nothing ever got me like it barely moved the scale and diet moved it enough that I was like, okay, even if I had to keep it all out, it made such a difference that I was like, wow, this is totally worth it. And that's where I was like it. So for me, it wasn't really that bad for a year and a half to just have everything out because it was the first time that I actually could change the way I felt and could actually start to enjoy life more Mm -hmm. and not that, in pain on the sidelines. Um, so I think the diet stuff is what are you seeing? hugely empowering. What are, what are you seeing for your clients with that similar journey? Cause you're, you're helping women that are experiencing exactly right. what you experienced, like as your job now. Right. So like, yeah. what, how is that? I think it's empowering. I think that, um, some of these women don't realize how bad they felt. Right. Um, they're, we get into this idea too, that as we age, we're just going to feel crappy. Right. And that these are just the norms and people are just tired Mm and, you know, all these things are just normal. Um, So I think a lot of times when I'm working with a mom, we'll take out food initially, right. Remove the irritants um, for baby, but for mom too. And I will, and I always explain to them the best way to heal your baby is to heal yourself. Right. You guys are so we call it a dyad. They're so intertwined in that first year of life that they're one ecosystem and you cannot heal baby's gut without healing moms. Like you just can't. I mean, there's even studies out there showing that the probiotics for babies aren't nearly as effective as just giving probiotics to mom. If mom has gut stuff and if we're addressing other things and I do sometimes recommend probiotics for babies, they're not always wrong. It depends upon the case, Um, especially in the case of like, if we're supplementing with formula, those babies really benefit with some probiotics, right? Um, but you can do so much just by healing mom. And it's really challenging sometimes, though, because the moms also feel selfish, right? They're like, I'm supposed to take care of my baby. I'm not supposed to be worrying about myself. And I'm like, I know. But the best way to take care of your baby is to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think too, that like we were talking before we started recording about going upstream and root cause of things and new babies going upstream is, is what they take from their mother, right? Their Mm -hmm. immune health and her her health. And, and that's also, I like how you called that an ecosystem. That's such a, you know, interesting way to put it. And it's so accurate. I mean, how many times for me, like working with, with, moms and babies and and it always like I'll see the mother and then she has me see her baby because she is having her health concerns and mm-hmm. then she's like oh yeah I mean that has come uh become an extension right mm-hmm. like her immune health and the way her body reacts to things is then reflected in the baby too um so I like that idea that you're including both of them in your plan yeah. when we we say that babies are co-regulators and what I tell parents is 
that means they can't regulate their own nervous system for the first year of life. They literally cannot soothe and calm themselves. They don't have that ability. They rely on their parents for that, which is also why, you know, I tell parents to try calming a crying baby when you're screaming yourself. Like it doesn't work, right? Mm. A baby is not going to calm in the arms of someone who's crying. It just can't happen. They need us to be calm in order to help them be calm. And they need us to be healthy in order to help them be healthy. And it's so, so deeply intertwined. And to some extent, even the other parent, but the birthing parent is so deeply intertwined, right? Their their body, especially if they're breastfeeding, is just, it's it's it is one ecosystem, right? And everything they feel is so connected. So it is a very big motivator. It's a great time. And the the root cause stuff is something I talk about all the time because unfortunately in the allopathic medical system, it's not really addressed, right? For example, Mm -hmm. you go to the pediatrician, you say that, you know, your nipples are hurting or the baby is not gaining enough weight and they're very quick to say, okay, here, the bottle of formula will fix the problem. I'm like, that's not fixing the problem right? That's a Band-Aid. And sometimes Band-Aids are necessary. I mean, sometimes they're great and they protect the skin. Great. I'm not against formula or bottles. My problem is the fact that we aren't going upstream, right? So we're not saying, why isn't the baby transferring any milk? Why are mom's nipples in pain? Because if you're functionally feeding, if you are truly having a deep latch and having a reflex, like I teach parents reflexive latching, like babies are born knowing how to do this. We're mammals, guys. Like this Mm -hmm. is what we're born knowing how to do. Kittens don't need to be taught. Whales don't need to be taught. Like tigers don't need, like we all know how to nurse. And if you're doing it in a truly functional way, there's no pain, none. Mm -hmm. If anything, your body will release more good hormones. And I mean, I've seen dogs nurse their little puppies. And like, I swear the dog was smiling. Like laying back, totally relaxed (laughs) with like five little puppies with a (laughs) smile on our face. That's not us because we've complicated it so much and we've gotten in the way of baby. But that's the issue. And I say, you know, it's like we really have to understand and look at why would we have latch pain? Why would we have a baby not transferring? Instead of just handing out a bottle, we might need to do both, right? Because the baby still has to eat and that's okay. Yes, But if we don't find out that root cause, we're never going to change the system and they're going to become more and more dependent on that bottle and lose any breastfeeding they ever had. I want to switch gears a little bit Mm -hmm. because I was listening to one of your podcasts and you um, said that you you mentioned lactation consulting is 90% education. Mm -hmm. And we talk about scope of practice a lot in the course. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and kind of like as you learn functional medicine and thinking about like, I'm going to add this in or this in, how, how are you feeling now about your role as an RN and an educator and like what you're offering? I feel like my role is so much education. It really is. There is very, I mean, I can do this excellently with telehealth too. Right. And I have been for years now. Um, and my mentor, Jennifer Toe has been doing this for Oh, more than 15 years using telehealth all over the world. And, you know, I don't need to be hands-on, right? The parents are my hands and I need to teach them what to do with my words um, when we're talking about specifics and latching and all of that. But 
so much is really just education, right? And they get so little education. I had a client say to me the other day, they're like, we went home from the hospital. And I was like, how was it? And they said, well, they taught us how to change a diaper. It's okay. They're like, we don't feel like we learned anything else. We're really a little overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, let's, let's slow down and, and take it one at a time. What are your questions? Um, there's so little education. There's so little prep in this country. And unfortunately, there's so little villages too, right? We are more isolated than previous generations. Mm-hmm. We don't live within communities that create family support and new parent support. Um, we don't have that offered. So parents are turning to books and Google and trying to figure out, are these pregnancy symptoms normal? Um, why is my baby crying at 2 a.m.? You know, like trying to figure out what to do because they don't have support and they don't have education. So, I mean, it, I always tell people too, in my dream world, we will have a lactation consultant at every pediatrician appointment in the first like two years of life because the pediatrician could do their thing. They can leave the room and then I can come in and say, okay, we're two months old. So this is what to expect in the next couple of months. This is where the growth is heading. This is what we want to see. And if we don't see these things, give us a call. Oh, you're back. Baby's six months old. Great. This is what we should start doing with solids. And this is where we can bring in stuff like, I love doing a solids visit. Like I love to meet with clients, especially if we've re- We've kind of resolved feeding issues, you know, early on in two, three months, whatever. And I'll say, you know, why don't we have a check-in at five and a half months? We'll talk about what is actual readiness to feed look like. We'll talk about Mm. safety of, you know, what should a high chair look like? Not all high chairs are created the same. We'll talk about, I always encourage all my parents to take a CPR and first aid class when your child starts eating. Um, I talk about having Benadryl at home. You know, we talk about when to start solids. I advise all my parents to start with um, some fermented foods in the first month or two of food too, right? Like I wish I love fermented food. I know how good it is for my gut. And I eat a spoonful of fermented kraut every day because I know it's good for me and I hate it. So if I could teach <laughs> babies to enjoy that flavor early on, and even if they don't, even if, you know, I tell parents all the time, even if they only eat it six months and then they stop and they never eat it again, Think of all the way you have fed that gut in that early growth period, right? Think of Mm -hmm. how you have really developed this. Um, So yeah, I love things like that. And that's what I love about my job is the education. And I think functional medicine feels like to me, at least functional nursing feels like 90% education too. I did debate getting my nurse practitioner or, you know, looking at, partnering with one. I have a a very wonderful friend who's a nurse practitioner and we talked about it for a little bit, but I don't, I don't feel the need to order labs and I don't Mm -hmm. need definitely not interested in prescribing. So I just really decided it really wasn't the course for me and that I'm more happy to work with others, right? I'm in the process of moving. And so I was like, well, I'm starting to reach out to all the the NPs and the functional meds and the naturopaths. Naturopaths are a great option too. A lot of them are very root cause focused and have been for a long time, you know, and the osteopaths. And I'm just, I will happily refer for lab testing. I mean, I have a client that I worked with for months. We spent probably two to three months working on initial breastfeeding and tongue tie and then got to a really good point and then started addressing mom's gut health. Like we had to get so far before we, she had the bandwidth to do it. And then there, 
I helped her find a naturopath and we, she started getting school stool testing and started doing other things. And I was there as her support and education as well, you know, and I think that it can work really well together. I don't, I don't need to do everything. Right. And I will stay within my scope. I have no desire to prescribe or to order labs or anything like that. I will stay within my scope, but my scope is wide. Education is in everyone's scope. It's funny how like teaching the course that, you know, we talk about scope in the second module Mm -hmm. and it's like, nobody believes me yet. Right. You have to hear because you still don't know what you're going to be offering. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the course, I think that people are able to come to the place that you're speaking of where they realize the power of education and that that's what people really need. Right. Like there's all these quotes from Mark Hyman about, you know, ADHD isn't a Ritalin deficiency and Mm -hmm. depression and anxiety aren't a Prozac deficiency. And um, w- people aren't deficient in prescription medications and they're not deficient in fancy tests. And you're like the perfect example of that. Where like, you're offering what people really need is, is a, is a partner in their health to, mm-hmm. to give them the correct information to help them like navigate things. And so I love that you're able to do that and offer it in like, I'm thinking of back to when I had my first son and he, um, I had a, a, a midwife and then, went to a pediatrician's office that did have a lactation consultant and it made all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. for us. Like I probably wouldn't have been successful if I hadn't had that support from them to be able to breastfeed for as long as I was. And it made a huge difference. And I didn't know at the time that how novel that was, Mm -hmm. that that was something that we were lucky to, because what I was offered in the hospital, like you're talking about was just nothing. And going to the pediatrician's office and them saying, get in here and and let's check in. And then, oh, you know, you don't have to come back to see the pediatrician to come back and see me and get reassurance or, you know, do a touch point visit a couple days later and see how what we're doing is. Anyway, you know, that whole uh, experience for me was really eye opening. And, you know, looking back and hearing you talk about it, it's like, I didn't realize how, how functionally aligned that was at the, I mean, that was almost 20 years ago. And so for for me, I'm thinking of being the tired, like you're talking about, like, right after you have a baby and Mm -hmm. you're exhausted, and it's kind of that quiet nesting time at home. The fact that you get to do that virtually with people and come into their homes virtually and help them in that time where it's hard to pack up all your stuff and go somewhere. And um, people ask me about my practice being virtual and all of my clients are required to have a primary care provider and a documented wellness physical exam every year for them to be able to see me virtually. And so I see people in Washington state and I can see people that live six hours away on the other side of the state virtually and they're ready and they need somebody and there isn't anybody near them to help them. And that's exactly what you're talking about too. Is like, these are people that there's nothing available in their community. So it's so exciting to have that more accessible with our technology we have now. I mean, I have pockets all over the country and it's, it's interesting to watch it grow because as I get a client in an area, I start to expand and they refer a friend or somebody else. Right. And I, And I start to make friends with like, I have a couple of clients I've had near Bozeman, Montana. And so then I connected with the chiropractor there and um, she's been doing amazing body work and her um, chiropractic partner also does nutrition testing. And so like, then I start to make networks, right? And I have Mm -hmm. a um, a little group in Arkansas and Alabama and Florida and New York. And like, some of these people just don't have anyone. They really like 
I, I have another client out in Montana who's outside of Bozeman, like three hours outside and there's nobody around. Like mm-hmm. no yep. one, there's no support. And in the middle of winter with a newborn, are you going to put the kid in the car and drive through the snow for three or four hours? I don't think so. Like there's just, I think there's something really wonderful about telehealth and I, I still get people wondering and, you know, saying, well, do you think it really works and you won't be here to look at the baby? And I'm like, if my answer is always, if you want in-person support, I will help you find someone. I think mm-hmm. everyone deserves the support they need and that what they want and it's going to fill their bucket. I'm just not an in-person. Like, this is what right. I do. Yeah. And, but I think oh. it's wonderful. Like, I didn't like doing home visits, right? For me, home visits were really challenging, a lot of driving um, and a lot of time, right? So I had to charge so much more because I could see so many less patients and it didn't feel sustainable to me. When I had an office, that was better. But again, then the new parents are coming out. I love the fact that with telehealth, they can, you know, we can plan it during the toddler's nap, right? Or Mm -hmm. they have a new baby and now they don't have to go out. But I also get a sneak in their house, (laughs) which sounds terrible, but sometimes I'll see things like they won't, maybe didn't tell me that they're giving the baby a pacifier and I'll be like, Oh, I noticed you have a pacifier on the table. Can you tell me how often baby uses that? Or what is that like for you guys? You know, is baby having trouble keeping it in? Like it'll, it'll give me an insight and we'll talk about things. Um, so I think telehealth is amazing, but yeah, so much of our jobs are education so much. Mm -hmm. And it's where I want it to be, right? I don't want to be a provider who patches people up and sends them out. It's not what I want to do. And I think the best thing about functional medicine, and for me, really, for myself, I find it in lactation as well, is that education is not just about teaching someone, oh, this food might be inflammatory for you, or, oh, you might need this, you know, we might need to balance your stress or work on magnesium. It's about empowerment and it's about taking back our health and being able to truly affect our body, how we feel, our lifespan, everything. We've spent so many decades just kind of referring to this doctor, you know, in the white coat and saying they know what's best when they spend five minutes with you and don't know what it feels like to be you. And Mm -hmm. it's not a partnership plan for most, right? Most people are not getting partnership healthcare. I know it exists. And I know that there's some amazing primary care physicians out there, but most are overworked. Most are trying to see too many to bill insurance. And most are not getting the time with their patients to really understand them. And so for me, functional medicine and lactation are about real empowerment and giving really acknowledging that and advocating for that client and saying, you know, what's best here. I'm going to give you some tools and we're going to talk about it and we're going to see where you want to go with this. Do you want to explore diet? Do you want to explore stress? Do you want to explore exercise? Right. What, what feels right to you? Where does your body feel like it needs something, but really acknowledging that the highest source of knowledge on you is you. And Mm -hmm. I tell that to the parents all the time too. I tell them when you go to the pediatrician, you should feel like they are an expert on babies and they are respecting the fact that you are an expert on your baby. No one has spent the time with your child that you have. No one knows your child the way you do. 
and they should be respecting that. It should be a partnership. If you don't feel like that, then maybe you need a new pediatrician, but that you're the expert on your own child, like especially yes. in those early years, right? So that's what it is to me. It's all about empowerment and education. And, you know, that's making me think of like the idea of how probably you similar to me, the training that we get in and the allopathic model is you're going to go into that room as the expert and tell people what to do mm-hmm. instead of exactly what you're speaking to right now is that the patient is the expert and they know their bodies and they know their goals. And it's like a lot of like the nurse coaching that we talk about too with, through Inca is that we're meeting people where they are to meet their goals, not our agenda as a provider to say, oh, I'm going to go tell them what to do next. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking about something we started talking about before we hit record was about fertility and infertility. And so I, I would love to talk about that for a minute. Um, the scientific fact that I was going to lead with is this idea that um, I had learned that, you know, that the egg that will be chosen to be fertilized 10 months from now, that's a 10 month process for it to get ready to be, you know, up, up first at bat. And, and you and I were talking a little bit about fertility and um, infertility rates are just like skyrocketing. And it's really scary. If you look at the numbers, like how, it's an issue than it was a generation ago and two generations ago and what's going to happen in another one or two generations. Um, And that what we offer is such an opportunity to address that. And it made me think while we were talking about, um, I had a patient that I saw in primary care while I was learning functional medicine that would come in and had a really unhealthy lifestyle and a lot of stress and would go see specialists she had like a different provider that would refer her places. So she'd come to me and she'd be on more medications that you can't take while you're pregnant, but she was trying to get pregnant. And it was really, it felt really muddled. And then she would tell me she's trying to get pregnant and couldn't. And then that would affect her mental health. And I kept dropping little seeds, you know, of, you know, have you considered, and I would talk about holistic topics with her. Well, one day she came in and had become pregnant and I brought her husband for the first time. And and I was really excited for her. And I was like, what did you do differently? And she was like, oh, well, I had to stop eating all that. You know, she starts talking about her food and her lifestyle and her stress. And within changing her diet within a month, she was pregnant because her body had been so in stress from everything about her life was stressful for her. Uh, And I, for me, that was such a huge cementer of that I was on the right path because you, you were talking about, and I, that's where I want to go next is just talking about this idea of of helping people with this and how simple it sounds when you say it, but it's a real problem. I had a client recently that we were working on, um, baby being quote unquote allergic to breast milk, right. And reacting to all this stuff in mom's milk. And when we went back through mom's history and I said, well, let's, you know, let's just go through some stuff and let's talk about how you've been feeling and your health and everything the last few years. And it was the mom who said it to me herself. She said, you know, she had trouble getting pregnant. She has two kids now that are two years apart. She's like, I had trouble getting pregnant with both of them. I thought I'd be pregnant faster. And I said, well, what changed? And she said, well, with both babies, I went on whole 30 and I stopped eating dairy and gluten and I was pregnant within two months. And I was like, interesting. What do you think about that? And she's like, I think I felt really healthy. And she said, I also think that, you know, she's like, I stopped eating sugar too. And I, she's like, my diet was totally different. You know, she had tried with the first one, especially she had tried for two years and within two months of changing her diet, she was pregnant. So I think that a lot of times when we um, ask the right questions and we discuss things, we can help them 
the what's already there, right? And make the connections. And so we had talked about, well, do you feel like that's the right thing now? And she was like, yeah, I definitely feel like I need to pull that stuff back out of my diet. She's like, I shouldn't have put it back in. And she said, I did feel healthier too when it was out. It just was easier, right? We all know that. It gets easy Mm -hmm. to leave in things like gluten and dairy because they're very pervasive in our culture and all over the U.S. and everything you want to eat. You know, but she said, yeah, I felt much better. And so I think that helping people make that connection, I think it's important with infertility to realize too that our nature and biology Everything has a design. Everything in that system has a purpose, at least one, if not many more. Mm-hmm. Nothing is wasted. And so to me, when someone can't get pregnant, sometimes sometimes we truly can't find the cause. But a lot of times the cause is they're not healthy, right? And if they're not healthy, their body is going to say, I can't do this, right? I can't create life and sustain it when I am busy surviving. Right. And I think that's an important thing and it doesn't get looked at. I know too many people who go off to infertility clinics and spend tens of thousands of dollars and never have their health addressed, which I am not against the fertility clinics. It's just astounding to me that nobody along the line says, Hey, maybe we should have your health evaluated. Maybe we should see if your thyroid's functioning well, or what's your hemoglobin A1C, or where's your stress level at, or are you deficient in B vitamins? Like, there's no discussion about the health. It just, it, it astounds me. I, I think that it would be, be an amazing thing if there was a functional nurse or a functional dietitian or somebody at every infertility clinic saying, hey, before we start these really expensive treatments, Yes. Let's check in on your health, right? Yeah, that would make that such, such a, a difference. Idea. Well, and with diabetics, why are we not teaching functional nutrition to diabetics? Why mm-hmm. the diet that most dietitians teach diabetics is astounding to me, right? Like, yep. I, I just don't get it. And there's a much better way. And yet, I feel like this allopathic system is unfortunately not just a Band-Aid, but keeping people sick. It doesn't seem to have any interest in helping people off meds. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking earlier about billing insurance and like I struggled in primary care to identify people with insulin resistance and prediabetes. And they wanted that knowledge mm-hmm. that I didn't feel like I had yet, you know, to give them the the. I assumed a dietitian was going to give better information than me, maybe. Uh, So trying to send them to somebody that could give them that targeted time and then being told that that isn't covered by insurance. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of people that were eager for the knowledge weren't able to get it. And I wanted to, to highlight something that you said earlier. And um, that is a big topic is what you're talking about with the whole 30 that, that moment of uh, our functional medicine inquiry where we say, what happened right before that? Uh-huh. I use that question all the time, right? And and so you used it in a little bit different way with that client and said, you know, what, 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 what was working for you well when you did get pregnant? What, you know, you had infertility creating awareness for them by having them verbalize. Oh, yeah, that's, that's when I was eating better. That's when I felt great. That's when mm-hmm. I had energy and 
that level of insight and having people explore that for themselves. And maybe they don't know in that moment and they come back to you next time and they say, you know, I thought about it. And actually right before that happened, you know, I was really stressed out and had been through something traumatic and they had never connected that before. Yeah. And I think that it's really, it's the difference between being told something and knowing something. Right. And so I think that Mm -hmm. it's very empowering to make those connections yourself. And yes. to be like, oh, okay. And sometimes we all need help. You know, I I have a hard time making my own connections sometimes. So it does help to have someone guide you and to be like, okay, well, what did you think about this or that? Or how did you feel when this happened? Um, but it is amazing to make the connections and to realize that I get it now, right? These things really did affect my health and there's something I can do about them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing feeling. So I just think that it's, it's very empowering. And I go back to the fact that education's in everyone's scope, right? I'm not educating about pharmaceuticals. So it's, I'm not telling someone not to take their medications. And I'm not telling them not to get them or whatever. I, I think that education, especially when we're talking about these basic things, diet is basic right? What we eat. And yet the lack of knowledge is pretty widespread. Very, very widespread. You know, we talk about niches in the course, like, Mm -hmm. oh, what stood out to you that you might want to focus on? And of course, you came into the course with something already for you. And we were talking before we hit record about, you know, the infertility part and like, what a huge area that is to move into to help people support that 10 months before fertilization. How do we make that egg the best egg it could be, right? Get it ready. But on a broader scale, I was thinking too about, you know, the things that we talk about, about hormone balancing and birth control and menopause and just women health in general, like, it's hard to niche in functional medicine, in that you will always have to know the foundations like Mm -hmm. we teach in the course, right? Like, because for you, you you might have somebody and it's food, or it might be stress, or it might be toxins, like there's so many root causes of what might be at the heart of someone's problem. And then you need to know what to do about that. So because it's so personalized, the answer might go take you in any direction, right? It could be a mold exposure in the home or a genetic defect that needs some extra support nutritionally. I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of women need support through different phases. And I love that you're doing two that aren't getting enough attention, right? Like that perinatal period mm-hmm. and, and starting to focus on shifting to fertility as well and infertility. And I get so excited when at the end of the course, everybody writes in week 12. 12. It's like my favorite yeah. thing when everybody writes what they're going to do next. Like I get so happy when I read those. And um, so many people have been like, I didn't get supported through menopause or having PCOS or having hormone imbalances throughout their life, even starting as a teenager and, and having their first menstrual cycle be traumatic for them and painful and confusing. And um, so it's so exciting to, to like see everybody going in directions that are really going to help change healthcare. And I, I, your, yours in particular, I think is really great. I wanted before we wrapped up today to to two things. What people listening don't know about you is that you um, had, you you have your own podcast Mm -hmm. and um, 
and on there, you talk about how you have taken this journey of getting a travel trailer and having your family go through the country. And so I would love to hear a little bit more about that experience. And in particular, I love national parks so much. And Yellowstone is like one of my favorite things in the world. Like I'll probably never get rid of Facebook because I follow what the animals are doing in the winter in Yellowstone. Um, So that for me is my favorite national park. I wanted to hear what your favorite national park is and what it's been like for you guys moving around the country the last few years. Moving around the country has been mostly amazing. We've definitely had our issues. Um, I feel like, I don't know if it would be more than most, or I guess everyone has issues, right? We had a, a rig accident early on, and then we've had a couple of breakdowns in the last month that really kind of derailed our plans. Um, but besides those, it's been amazing. I mean, we got to spend a month in New Orleans. That was somewhere that I always wanted to go that I never thought I would, right? And if I did, it would have been, what, a weekend? Mm-hmm. I got to spend a month there. And it is a beautiful place. And the bayou and the culture and the people, the food, it's its an amazing place. Um, so I really, you know, I think that I've seen a lot that I wouldn't have seen. You know, I got out to Acadia, which was amazing. That was a really fun national park. Um I got to the Great Smokies, which was the first place that I've ever seen. I saw three bears in one day, and that was amazing. I had never seen, we'd seen one bear once in Glacier, but from much farther away. These guys were much closer. Um, You know, it's been really amazing personally, and I knew it would be. I knew taking my kids to Yorktown and saying, look, this is where a huge battle was fought that formed our country, or to Gettysburg, or to stand there in Philadelphia where they signed the, you know, the um, Declaration of Independence, right? Like, and to, to do these things, I knew that would be amazing, right? And to take them out to the nature and to see, I mean, I think one of my favorite places that we went that was unplanned and a surprise was Assateague. It's this little barrier island off Maryland and Mm -hmm. there's wild horses there. And they just came right through the campsite and were just like standing there right next to us. It was amazing. But I didn't anticipate the professional bonuses of it. I thought it was going to be, if anything, a hardship. And it's been amazing. I've met with so many providers all over this country. I've watched tongue tie releases in many different states by different providers. I've watched body work. I've met with lactation consultants and chiropractors and myofascial release therapists. We all support the same families. And so getting to meet all these different providers and for a moment, look through their lenses and see what they see professionally. It's been amazing. And it's really deepened my practice um, and I think that that part was such a surprise for me. I didn't anticipate that. Right. I just, I thought if anything, it was going to be, well, I can manage and it'll be okay, but it won't be great for my practice. And now I feel like I have such a unique perspective that other people don't have because of this, because I've been all over the country, because I have literally been there with so many different providers and talk to them and watch them and listen to them and learn from them. And that has really deepened what I can do and what I understand and where I want to refer to and all these different things. So professionally, it Mm. was a huge surprise, but it's been amazing. Um, You know, podcasting was such a leap of faith and so outside my comfort zone. Right. I'm more of a, <laughs> yep. a little bit of an introvert and I like small groups, but reaching out to people and saying, Hey, you don't know me, but would you like to? And 
it really pays off because it took about a little over a year. And then I started getting people who would reach out to me and say, Hey, I've listened to your podcast. Could I be on it? Or I know someone who should be on it. Do you want to talk to them? Um, and so that's been really amazing. That's been absolutely amazing. And I think it's been such a gift, such a huge gift. Um, I, I, I don't know if I have a favorite national park. I'm trying to think. I mean, I love Acadia and the Great Smokies <laughs> um, come to mind too. But I also love the Washington parks. Like I love Olympic and I love mm-hmm. Rainier. They are near and dear to my heart. Like I spent some wonderful time at both of those. So I think you can't go wrong in a national park. And there, there's some that are vastly different, right? Like we went to Carlsbad Caverns, which is, you know, 700 feet underground, something like that. It's oh, yep. mm-hmm. totally different. And then we've been to places like White Sands, which is this, you know, dried ancient lake bed that has this totally unique, tiny micro culture and micro ecosystem there and totally different. Um, so there's different things out there everywhere, but I, I'm a huge wildlife person. So yes. Yeah. That's so fun when you're just driving and you're like, oh my gosh, there's bison right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to um, give you an opportunity to like, what message would you like to share with other nurses or nurses that are thinking of following a similar path of you being a holistic nurse and, and to take that a step further and even say starting their own business. Cause I know for me and probably you too, like you kind of touched on is it sounds terrifying, right? Like It does. And it, for me, initially it was for a while and um, I hated the admin stuff. Right. And I still don't love it. It's not, I mean, for me, it wasn't what I got into this to do, right? And I have no desire to, I know some amazing private practice lactation consultants who have huge practices. They don't see clients anymore. They have, you know, 10 LCs working for them and they do all this other stuff. That's not my goal. My goal is still to have one-on-one time with my clients more than the other. Um, But I don't hate the other anymore because it allowed me to grow my practice in a way that I want to do it. I'm not in the hospital being told I have 10 minutes to see them. I'm not being told mm-hmm. that I have, you know, to go round on 12 clients in the next two hours. <laughs> um, you know, I, I get to decide and I also get to decide what I focus on. And for new nurses or even anyone in the perinatal field too, I would say the root cause should always be what we're focusing on. Whether you call yourself functional med or not, it doesn't, And it doesn't have to go that far, right? And I get that it does. And it's it's amazing to go down to that cellular function and to really be able to understand like, okay, we have low supply, what's happening with the thyroid, what is stress bringing into it, where's the nutritional deficiencies. But you can also have basic root cause of like, baby's not eating, let's figure out why. Let's not Mm -hmm. just hand them a bottle, right? There's still some levels where you can still do root cause, even if you, because we're all on our learning path and where I'm going to be in two years or in five years is hopefully totally different than today. I want to know more. I want to have more knowledge and more skills and more ability in two or five years than I do today. But I still think it's important to start wherever you are. And always, I tell people too, I'm like, I sound like a two-year-old. Why, 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 why? Mm -hmm. Question why? (laughs) Someone can't make milk. Why? This is survival. Humans are meant to make milk. Why can't they make milk? Yes. This baby can't eat. Why? That's as basic as breathing. We would investigate if a baby couldn't breathe. 
feeding is functional. This is basic. So I would just say, be curious. I think curiosity is one of the best attributes to have. Be really, really curious. And that will lead you down the path that you're meant to go on. I love the direction you went with that because um, I try to reinforce to nurses, like you don't have to go to the... I'm never going to feel good enough about how much functional medicine I know, right? There's always Mm -hmm. more you can learn. There's email box every day. There's more courses I could sign up for. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but what I tell students and what you're talking about is be able to tell somebody why you want them to do something. And that's the right time to start adding it in when you're learning functional medicine and you're like, should I be offering this yet? If you can explain to somebody why they should do something differently ask why about them, get their, their story, and then be able to say, Hey, I think we should try this. And here's why. And you can answer that to them. That is where you're practicing within your scope. And you definitely should, you know, be weaving in some functional medicine. It doesn't have to be the, the, the most complex version of biochemistry with the fanciest tests and like, a a plan for a ton of really expensive supplements afterwards. It can be about stress and sleep and food. And and that will have a huge impact for people. And exactly what you just talked about, about the amount that you add in is what you're comfortable with. And my measure for that is if you can tell them why, because we should always be teaching the why. So I love that. Yeah. I think we should all be more curious. Thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate you you sharing your very special niche, which is so important. Um, I hope it inspires some other nurses that have similar backgrounds to you that maybe have been thinking about branching out into something a little bit more holistic than what they're able to offer now. Um, How can people connect with you? I wanted you, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but Mm -hmm. I wanted you to be able to share how people could reach out to you. So I have both my practice, which is cuddles and milk. And I have Katie, the traveling lactation consultant. So they're both on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and on my website, you can also find out my podcast stuff on my website at cuddlesandmilk.com. It's been really wonderful to talk today, Bridget. Absolutely. I feel the same way. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Functional Nurse Podcast. If you want to help spread the word about the powerful role nurses can play as true healers using functional medicine practices, consider sharing an episode with a nurse friend or on social media. And click the subscribe button to stay informed of newly released episodes. You can also visit and share the links below in the show notes for more information on nursing resources and the Functional Medicine for Nurses course offered through the Integrative Nurse Coach Academy in partnership with the Institute for Functional Medicine.